Welcome back to another episode of the Presidential Podcast. I'm Emily, the current UNH Student Body President. And I'm Dina, the current UNH Student Body Vice President. This week we have the Director of Off-Campus Engagement and Fraternity and Sorority Life, Jamie Silverstein, and the Fraternity and Sorority Life Coordinator, Maddie Hurd, on as special guests. Get excited, guys. It's going to be juicy. Woo! (laughs) Um, So normally we do an update on what Senate has been working on, but we just came off spring break, so there isn't really too much to report. Um, I thought we'd just talk about our spring breaks a little bit. Emily, would you like to go first? Yes, I would. <laughs> um, I went to the amazing... <laughs> I'm just, um, for you context, know. she has the biggest smile on her face right now, <laughs> talking about... Just keep going. I'm sorry. It was a stupid smile on my face from spring break. Honestly, we went to Fort Lauderdale, and I had... Way too much fun. Way too much fun. I got a tan. You look tan, Dina. You look glowing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, and I'm jealous. Yeah. I had so much fun with all my girlfriends, and it's sad. It's my last spring break. I'm a senior. But I went swimming in the ocean, and Yay. I went out a lot, and I got tan, and I had a lot of pina coladas. And I'm sure it was also beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was really good weather when I was there. Weather and scenery. So, did you go to Bluebell? I did go to Bluebell. Um, I took a nice little trip all the way down to beautiful Bluebell, Pennsylvania, the good old 19422. Um, and I mean, I did pretty much nothing. Um, I, Dude, you went and saw Cocaine Bear. I did see Cocaine Bear with my best friend from home. Um, he just randomly texted me and he was like, see cocaine bear and I was like I have no idea what it's about but I can infer and sure like at the bare minimum we can make fun of it is it good I want to see it I mean like it's fine I'm not really a movie critic so you know take what I'm saying with a grain of salt but I mean it was very I mean not that this was a bad thing but I came out of it being like okay this movie is very pro bear very anti-cocaine which I think is a good message. I love bears. Um, <laughs> you want it to be the other way around? No, because the cocaine, <laughs> spoiler alert, made the bear go crazy. And it, like, made yeah, the that's bear, the like... Of the movie. But, but then they would, like, they, like, played the angle of, like, but the poor bear, like, look at, like, the bear doesn't know what it's doing. And they're, like, it's, it's all humans' fault. And, like, they even said at the end, they're, like, there could still be pounds of cocaine in that <laughs> woods to this day. Because it's based off a true story. And I think what makes this even more ridiculous is... I thought is they found the rest of the cocaine when they found the bear. In the like movie. Like, in the real life. Oh, well, in the movie, they embellished a bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then, to make it even worse, the second we sat down, um, my friend put our popcorn in between us to share, and then it spilled literally all over me. What's your go-to floor. movie snack? I'm not going to lie. I don't really like... I don't know what? why I don't like eating, like, candy at the movies. It feels wrong, so I guess just, like, a popcorn. Like a, like a basic You're popcorn. Weird. And I when I was little, I used to get an icy. But like now yeah, I feel like so, I'm too old for that. All right, I'll give you guys the rundown of what I get. If I had all the money in the world, this is what I would get, okay? Um, I would get a cherry icy, a large, obviously, because why would I get a small off of Cherry is the correct flavor, too. Yeah, the blue one's weird, and it makes your mouth blue, and I don't like that. Who Even though you're that? dark in the movie theater, so I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> then I get a popcorn, obviously. And I think if you go to AMC, you can get the large popcorns that you can get refilled. So uh, you can get I didn't know that was a yes. thing. So you get a large popcorn, and then you can refill it on your way out. So you have popcorn at home, too. Oh, no. My parents have definitely done that when they've taken, like, my brother and I yeah, to the movies when we were little. Do that. 
See, my just my thing is just I'm not a movie person. I don't like going to the movie theater. Um, also, especially now in the year 2023, I just you find. Didn't it let me finish my snack. Oh, I didn't. I thought that was your. Okay, no. sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, and then. <laughs> Guys. Then I get um, uh, Sour Patch Kids, and that's it. Oh, sorry. That's it. My snack. <laughs> I was I was saying um, I just know it's fine. I just like I don't really like like the act of going to the movies. I think it's kind of a waste of money, and like especially now in the year twenty twenty three, since nobody is going to movies, it just kind of makes going to the movies sad. Like you think there were there were four people in that theater oh. to see Cocaine Bear four. Oh, that is sad. Yeah, it was sad. No, but um, Cocaine Bear, if you like action, see it. If you don't like action, save some time and watch something funny. <laughs> well, thank you, Gina, for that insightful movie review. Uh, now let's welcome our special guest. Woo! Hi, Jamie and Maddie. Feeling great, how are you? We're so happy to have you guys on. Yes, thank you for joining us. I think you guys were probably our most requested guests for a podcast, so we knew we wanted to have you on early. So exciting! (laughs) Give the people what they want, exactly. For having (laughs) us, we're so excited. Um, so my first question for you guys, um, I'd love to hear about your backgrounds, where you went to school, and how you got into this position now. Awesome, you want me to go first? Yeah, okay. This is Jamie Silverstein. I'm the director of off-campus engagement and fraternity and sorority life. And so how I got into this field is what you're asking, what I'm all about. So I went to school at the University of Rhode Island, and I was really, really involved in fraternity and sorority life there. I'm a member of Phi Sigma Sigma. I was a recruitment chair. I was a recruitment assistant. I was the vice president of recruitment for Panhellenic. And I was a consultant for my national organization. And after that, I worked for my national organization. And after that, I went to grad school for higher education at Northeastern University. And after that, I started working here. And so I started as a coordinator, one-person office for our 2,000-person community, which was a lot. And I'm really, really excited to finally have a second person and so enters Maddie (laughs) and she's been really helpful to this community now. Are there 2,000 people in FSL life? Right now it's a little lower than that but when I started there was 2,100. What's the number now do you know? It's a lot lower it's like 16 that's still a ton of people yeah Yeah, Yeah. it might be 17. Wow I think we're just we're about 17 17 after COB. Wow. Yeah, we've gone down a little bit, um, you know, after COVID, the girls usually were around, like, the sorority organizations had always been, like, around 200, 207, then COVID hit, yeah. and our numbers went down drastically, yeah. so the men, actually, the fraternities have consistently stayed around the same number, uh, but we're going to work back up towards it. Yeah. So you used to be FSL coordinator, yep. right? And what's your new title now? The director of off-campus engagement and fraternity and sorority life. And Maddie, now you are the FSL coordinator. Yes. yes. I took over the coordinator role March of 21. So I just hit one year here like Congrats. two weeks Yay. ago, um, which That's is really seven. cool. Um, so like my kind of storyline is I went to Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, so Halloween is my favorite holiday. <laughs> um, from there, I studied like biological psychology and chemistry. 
Um, I got super involved. I was the orientation leader. I was on student government myself. You were? I yeah. was. <laughs> That's Wait, like what my was your position fact. in student government? Um, I was a secretary, so I did all the coordinating of like the board of trustees meetings and kind what? of everything in between. Yeah, I, I kind of keep that. that one hidden. Um, Why are you keeping it hidden, girl? Um, Wait, I like you even more now. <laughs> I don't literally. Know we have a lot to discuss <laughs> after we this can episode. Talk all of the things. Um, <laughs> From there, I joined my organization in fall of 2015. Um, I also joined Five Sigma Sigma. Um, our chapter was about 50 girls when I joined, and now they kind of sit about that 30 number, so definitely a lot smaller than the groups I work with now. Um, I graduated there 2019, and I stayed for my master's degree in higher education and student affairs um, for another two years. Um, so that put me at 2021. Then in spring of 2020, right before COVID hit, I needed a practicum in my graduate program because that's what you do. You need an internship. Um, and my boss at my assistantship at Emerson College in Boston connected me with Jamie because Jamie used to work at Emerson when she was in grad school. Um, and I got a job as a house director up here in spring of 2020. And then that's kind of all she wrote. And I <laughs> left for a hot minute and then I came back. And so I've been here ever since. Wait, so you were both in Phi Sig? Yeah. yeah. Just I at different schools. sisters. Yeah. yeah. Also I didn't so know that too. Like, cute. Like, yeah. so cute. Fun facts. Yeah. And I've known you for a bit now because you yeah. were my advisor for Order of Omega, yes. which is something you also oversee, right? So I you're, do. you oversee IFC and Order of Omega. Yep. That's a lot too. Yeah. Order of Omega is the FSL Honor Society for those that didn't know. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for talking about that. I learned a lot. Sure. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Um, so Dean and I are both part of FSL. I'm a member of Alpha Chi. And I am a member of Alpha Z, and there's also <laughs> a Delta at the end of it. <laughs> For those that don't know. <laughs> um, and we've seen the amazing philanthropy events that's come from this community. We've seen young people become amazing leaders, myself included. Um, I was vice president of community standards in, of my chapter, and without this leadership position, I would not be the leader that I am today. It gave, it gave me the confidence um, to join more things and lead in other organizations. And I definitely could not be where I am without my sorority sisters. I definitely had a similar experience, but maybe more like the reverse. Um, <laughs> when I joined my sorority, it was also the same time that we started running our campaign for student body president and student body vice president. I and... Sure. Yeah, and going into <laughs> sorority recruitment, um, I was a little bit unsure if this was, like, the right thing for me, and I remember seeing all of my sisters supporting me, encouraging me. The day that voting opened, I saw our faces on every mm. AZD and mm -hmm. AKO girls' Instagrams. I remember how nervous you were to, like, announce it to your sisters, I was. and now, I was. now that you're running again for another position... It's you've you're so you're totally different now with it's, how you are how you interact with them. It's crazy. It's just and it's so funny to think about. I was really scared and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to ask too much of them. Like I'm still new, but yeah. like they welcomed me with open arms. Obviously, they embraced that I wanted to become a leader and that kind of support. Like nothing compares. I don't think we could have won without their support. Honestly, yeah. Um, and, and the greater FSL community as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So shout out FSL. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and everyone else. Um, so my, my next question for you two is, what are some of the good things that you've seen come out of FSL? And why do you encourage people to join this amazing community? Awesome. I'll start with a couple. Mm. I think some of the amazing 
things that we see are, first of all, the sisterhood, brotherhood, lifelong friendships, networking. When we talk about creating connections, especially post-COVID world that we're in, I think a lot of people lost touch with how to communicate with one another. And I think fraternities and sororities really force you uh, to gain skills and how to network, how to articulate yourself, how to become a good friend and support each other. So I think that's the first thing. I know that through not just the office programming and Panhellenic and IFC, but all the individual organizations, also leadership, uh, creating leadership opportunities. So holding positions like president or vice president or et cetera, there's tons of positions, Um, but also leadership opportunities when it comes to understanding how to be a leader on campus. So providing like our leadership conference, we provide the care series, a lot of your national organizations provide education to just really take people to the next level. And even when you were just talking about Dina being a different person, like I remember both of you from the beginning yeah. and both of you are different people. And obviously I attribute that to Student Senate too, but also your organizations probably uplift you and help you have the confidence to be able to do the awesome jobs that you're doing. Yeah. I also um, wanted to touch on you talking about the conferences that like uh. the national organizations put on. Um, those are so valuable. I went to my organization's conference over the summer yes. and it was such a great way also to meet people like across the country, yeah. like, cause it's all, you know, everyone in the entire organization is there to learn and grow. And I think also something I really like about all the leadership opportunities within FSL is that they are all different and unique. Yeah. Like yeah. there is a position within my sorority for like mm-hmm. any special interests you may have, mm-hmm. like, yep. Every, every, anything under the sun you could imagine you could have a position for. So that's another thing. That's all really majors awesome. can relate to any positions, honestly. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Yeah. And it definitely helps you develop different skills, too. So instead of jumping into, like, a hardcore internship to, to learn about yourself, these are volunteer opportunities for these organizations, and they really help develop different skills and help you say, like, ah, I don't like that, or, oh, this is amazing, and I really want to move forward. Yeah, for sure. My favorite philanthropy event is Kai Omega's Mr. UNH. Yeah, I love I that we both event. Have been judges. We both have been judges. So I wanted to talk. And about I my really hope one. they invite us both back to be judges <laughs> next year. Yeah, or whoever the next student body president is. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, that'd be so fun. Um, yeah. It's my favorite. There's a couple others. Alpha Kai's um, fries with Alpha Kai's. That's, that's another one. good one. Easy D does a dodgeball tournament. Um, We've done it with Teague in the past. It's so fun and it gets competitive. Like there are some girls in my sorority that I am afraid to go (laughs) against them in dodgeball. Like if I see them on the court, I'm like, guys, next round, put me in. Like I can't. One girl, um, she threw two balls at once and screamed, do it once. Like we're we're intense with it. Like we are not there. We're there to win. Like we have something to prove in this tournament. And it's not only to raise money, but it is to win. Like, I, it, it, I've i never seen the movie Dodgeball, but I'm sure it's something like that. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one? Um, I've always really liked Alpha Z's. Um, Alpha Kai with fries yeah. has always been my favorite. I think kind of coming when I started, we were still yeah. in, like, COVID time. So it was all still a little weary. So as I start seeing programs coming through, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, like, definitely stop by there. So I'm hoping, like, this spring I'm able to, like, go check them all out. Yeah. Um, Kappa Delta's uh, Shamrock Week, Shamrock. which is now, I believe. Yeah. Next week. Yes, next week. And uh, they do amazing things yeah. and raise a scouts. lot of money. Mm-hmm. I like um, Theta Kai's or Pia Kai. Yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> For the <laughs> USO. Put some whipped cream in some frat guys' faces. That was my favorite. <laughs> I went to that and somehow 
I also ended up getting pied. I oh, don't really? know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. And um, another one is um, last semester, Pike delivered pancakes yes. and waffles to people. That was really finals. good. Yeah. And they did their oh, cycle yeah. for life event, yeah. which was really awesome yeah. on spin bikes. And this is just a handful. There's like just a handful. There's so, many. so many more than this. This is just a highlight. Philanthropy is definitely one of the most positive things. And community service and civic engagement, giving yeah. back to other organizations that really need it. And FSL members do way more than philanthropy events, mm-hmm. too. Like I know they're highly involved in trash pickups on campus yeah. and other serving um, events. So it's a lot more than just this. Yes. Um, so my next question is kind of on the other hand. Um, unfortunately, people that aren't really involved in FSL could view it very differently than how we're discussing it right now. Um, I mean, it's easy to make assumptions when you see the hazing stories on the news and see these yes. big parties and stereotypes on campus of how certain people act and drinking and other issues involved with this community. Um, And so I guess I would say, how would you, what would you say to someone who thinks FSL is just buying friendships and just a club to get hazed in? Yeah, I think when it comes to when we hear that stereotype of, oh, like you're buying your friends, I think people don't realize the value that they get out of these organizations, right? So as you all know, like you have awesome leadership positions, but what does it look like to your average member that's not holding something? And it goes back to like your last question that Jamie and I kind of touched on of watching the students develop, not only as like a leader for lack of a better term, but just watching them feel more comfortable in themselves and doing that self-discovery. It really allows you to kind of surround yourself with people that share the same values, share the same wants and needs, and how you're able to kind of jump into that. I know for me, like, I'm the only girl in my entire family. So, like, growing up all around guys, I never had sisters. And what does it look like to just be able to call someone on a Saturday morning and say, hey, like, you want to just go get coffee and talk about the week? Um, Really being able to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think also something – we hear that a lot, right? Why should I buy my friends or everyone in fraternities and sorority life haze? But I think one of the biggest things I've been trying to do for the last six years of being here is help advocate for that fraternities and sororities are not the only ones that have unhealthy relationships when it comes to new member education or pledge education. And so, you know, just in the last six years, while we've had incidents happen and nationally you hear bad things happening all over. There are horrible things that happen in these organizations, but they also happen in other organizations. So something we've been pushing is this hazing task force that we're sitting on right now where we're looking to develop curriculum that's across the board. So some of the great practices that we've implemented in fraternities and sororities, we're hoping that our athletics, our club sports, other organizations start to implement those types of hazing uh, education opportunities for their students. So some of the well, I'm, I just want to announce it. We do have a hazing hotline that is an anonymous hotline, um, and that's posted everywhere, really everywhere. Our website, Durham Police Department's website, UNH's, um, UNH Police Department's website. So it's 603-862-3686. And you can tell, like, as a student who's listening to this, you're able to say whatever you want on that, and you don't have to ever say your name, your phone number, or anything, but we'll be able to investigate from that, and uh, it's just really important that the more we know, the more we can do, and when we do know, it's really important for students, especially if they're hindering on the fence of, I don't want to buy my friends, or I don't want to join these organizations, for them to know that when we know about something, 
we really do make sure that they're held accountable. And we saw that just last year when we were in a very intense hazing investigation with one of our organizations here um, with and the state government and police got involved. And we tried to ensure that when and if that organization had come out the other side of that adjudication, that we were there to help build them back up and make sure that their practices were better. I think when we're also talking about hazing, that we're really talking about what does it mean to have a healthy relationship too. And a lot of the times when people join these organizations, they're joining and they think they're in this mindset that they have to do whatever is asked of them. And so we also try to provide as much education to new members as possible. So one of the things that you asked was like, what could we, you know, what do we do? And I think what our office does, what IFC does, what Panhellenic does is during new member education, every single semester, every single potential new member or not potential new member, sorry, new member that just got a bid to an organization, they have a hazing education workshop with Nancy Bashinsky from health and wellness. And so along with, I believe that Get Inclusive has rolled out a hazing module for all students. We send um, emails to all the presidents, advisors, and risk managers once a semester, retouching on all of our hazing policies. But I think there's still more to be done. And one of the biggest things is people not being afraid to have conversations like we're having right now and just really be able to report things and not just report things to say, I want to tell you X, Y, and Z. But if people are scared to share that they're just telling us the information so that Maddie and I are able to work with community standards or the police department or whatever level it is at to make sure that the organizations are held accountable responsibly, right? Yeah. yeah. And I just want to, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about these sort of issues too. Yeah. And that's why the hotline is available. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to reveal yourself because yeah. it is uncomfortable yes. you know because sometimes you may be in a scenario where it's somebody that you consider a brother mm-hmm. or a sister yeah. but at the end of the day in order to make these very great communities that people can flourish in like we have it's important to report these things yeah. if they do occur yep. um so i'm really happy that there is the ability to be anonymous because i think that also can encourage a lot more people to speak up yeah, and Maddie and I do have like our open door policies. So something that not all campuses do, but we do is before people take new members, only in fraternities and sororities, right? I can't speak for student organizations, club sports, things like that. But we tell all of our presidents and new member educators, if you come to us and like hand us your new member ed program, for real, like every little detail, inclusive of if there's any hazing practices happening, you're not going to get in trouble for sharing that information at that moment, as long as you don't have new members, as long as you're committed to working with us, your national organization and your advisors to creating new curriculum. And we've had three organizations since I've started take me Mm -hmm. up on that and revamp their entire program. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I tell them, like, but once that period ends, right, once we know you've taken new members and you've started your processes, there's not much more we can do. So then we have to act in the accountability mode. But, you know, in reality, we're here to support students. We want you all to succeed. We want these organizations succeed to succeed. So at the end of the day, accountability is really important. So that way we can move these organizations forward because, we shouldn't be doing practices that they were doing in the 1960s, 70s, yeah. 80s. For sure. FSL has changed so much mm-hmm. since then, too. Yep, Especially definitely. at UNH, we don't use terms like Go Greek yep. anymore. Yeah. And can you maybe explain why we don't use those terms anymore? Yeah, of course. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but you can jump in if you You're want. Fine. No, go for but, it. But um, when I started here, uh, 
they asked me because I was the only um, I was the coordinator of fraternity and sorority life. And I actually sat under the mob at the time. So it was um, just like another position in the Memorial Union building. It wasn't a separate department, uh, which is not really best practice. So we're really happy that we finally have our own department and we're able to really support our students. But um, on the side note, we were in that <laughs> we were in that area and uh, they said to me, like, what are some of the things that you want to do to rebrand so that you the students know who you are, know that the office is available? I said, what are the things that are best practices all across the country? And I um, did a benchmarking like assignment, essentially, and I talked to a bunch of universities all across the country. And um, they said some of the best thing you ca- things you can do is change language and create language, uh, shared language with your whole entire community. So we don't say go Greek. We don't say um, Greek life, right? We say fraternity and sorority life, FSL here. We don't say um, pledge. We say new member. I'm trying to think of all of them. It's funny. It's so normal here that I don't yeah. even, we don't even say yes. pledge anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. We don't say, we say PNM. Yeah, like, PNM, yeah. potential new members. Recruitment, not Recruitment, rush. not rush. And even my friends that aren't in FSL life don't say the word Greek anymore. It's yeah. so normalized yeah. here now. It's yeah. kind of crazy how that yeah. shift has Yeah, and it took changed. a while, right? And there's definitely people that still push back. Oh, yeah. But I think language is really important. And when people hear Greek, Greek, and they hear Greek life, and they hear Pledge, and they hear Rush, they really associate it with the 80s and the 90s and even earlier, mm-hmm. where a lot of the practices when it came to Greek life, Rush, included hazing in those practices in order to get into the organization, which if we're preaching that we don't haze on this campus, if we're preaching that we're trying to hold people accountable if they do, if we're preaching we want this to be a welcome community, a welcoming community that's inclusive, then we really need to hold our language to the same standards of our actions. So it was just really important to me. And like you just said, I think most people have really caught on, which makes me feel really happy. It took six years, but we're here. We're here. From my freshman year to my senior year now, I've seen a huge difference in how we've talked about this community. So Honestly, when I like go home, like I can't say FSL because my people say friends, they don't my get it. Get you. <laughs> what it is. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm like, you know, like the FSL community, and they're like, the what, what? community? <laughs> and I'm like, Greek life, like yeah. you know what you guys call it. I'm like, here, you know, we're trying to make a change. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make it better. I love that. I love that. But Did you have a lot of your sorority sisters in your wedding, like as bridesmaids? I wish I could show you guys pictures right now. Um, Yeah, I'll show you pictures after this. Um, Yeah, out of, I had nine, like, bridesmaids, including my real sister, who is a Phi Sigma Sigma, too. Sister, sister. Sister square. Who was so anti, who was so anti Greek life at URI. Um, But she wound up joining as a COB later on in the fall semester. So it was really wonderful because she was very, like, you're joining a cult. You're paying for your friends. She had all those things. And I was super involved because I was a junior at that time. But, yeah, I had a lot of, I had, Five out of the nine were part of wow. my organization wow. or Panhellenic, you know, like a part of the fraternity and sort of community from University of Rhode Island. And my husband, he is a Zeta Beta Ta from URI. Did you meet him in a frat basement? Or yeah, something? we met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we met at a social. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. was the theme? How does it feel? Oh, it was really inappropriate. Not going to say on this podcast. <laughs> oh my god. I said, how does it feel to live every girl's dream? I know. Not every girl's dream, but (laughs) it can happen, right? It felt appropriate to make that comment. It can happen. There are amazing fraternity men in our community, too. And, like, there was so many fraternity men. So I feel like there's just a bad stigma sometimes, especially from other universities. So I think um, as people get to know each other and learn about that, you know, we have 13 fraternities now, which is huge. 
and we have seven sororities and one multicultural organization. And I just think people just need to get to know each other a little bit more and they'd be more open to having friendships, relationships, opportunities. It stinks because I think the way it is now is you don't really get it until you're in it. And yeah. I hopefully the, more, the longer you yes. hear, the more that'll change. Yes. But me and Dina understand how amazing this community is. And I know all of my roommates are in my sorority and I know they're going to be in my wedding Yay. in the future. So, um, um, it'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I definitely feel like it is definitely something that you don't really understand it and you don't really see like the nuance of specific issues until you're within the community and you see also we are able to see how certain issues pertaining to FSL do impact the community. 100%. We see the impact of negative stereotypes. We see, like, Emily and I have experienced um, people stereotyping us as stupid sorority girls, yep. which is, you know, not an easy thing to grapple with yep. when Emily and I always work very hard. And, yeah, you know, sure. also, while being an FSL is part of, you know, our involvement on campus, it's not our entire identity. Yep. And I think more people need to separate the individual from their organization yes. because every person is more than what their organization is. 100%. And yeah, do you have anything to Why add are to that? Girls stereotyped is dumb. That's so misogyny. It's just misogyny. Yeah, the patriarchy, yeah. the sexism. And also, if you think about it, like sororities are, you know, it's a space by women for women. Yes. And, you know, that's really easy for somebody yes. who is misogynistic to just like, completely denounce and yeah. say that it's a stupid thing and again you're paying for friends and all you pay for is to go out and try and meet boys like it, it's you're just so smart dina smart <laughs> i know i girl. love what you're saying don't don't that. get me started <laughs> on snap, feminism snap. i'm serious let's next topic <laughs> before i rant um okay so there's more to your job than just fsl yes. um so last year you were promoted from <laughs> fsl coordinator to Director of both FSL and off-campus engagement, which yes. means you have the privilege of getting to oversee commuter students. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've done this year to improve life for commuters on campus? Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting addition. You know, <laughs> um, a lot of campuses don't mesh the two together. But uh, because it was just me for so long, I did a lot of community building and relationship building in town. And so this opportunity was just like, okay, I'll be challenged in a different way. And I, I really love to be challenged and figure out different ways to help our students. And when we saw this gap, um, commuters really weren't being served for at least three years here. And I feel like that's horrible. We have a lot of commuter students on this campus. So some of the things that we've been working on is, I guess the first one was most visual, is our commuter student lounge and our kitchenette. So one of my first initiatives when I took the position on was how can we give a facelift to some of the spaces on campus for commuters. Now, while I wish we had a huge, beautiful like place for them to be, I had to work with what we had. And what's really amazing is I've been able to collaborate with the student life office with um, the Memorial Union building and student activities and really just figure out how do we get new furniture in there that works for student schedules how do we change up the flooring in there and then also just provide space so that way we can start to showcase that to all students that live off campus so that they don't feel like they have to leave campus every time they want to hang out do their homework take a therapy appointment so that was the first thing um, the second thing is that hasn't rolled out yet, but I'm really hopeful for with the new budget 
uh, as we move into the next fiscal year, we've asked for me to develop, I've asked for me to develop <laughs> a commuter liaison program. So these will be 10 to 12 paid people that will get to work for our office and they're going to get to do programming off and on campus that helps commuters feel more safe, comfortable, and included on our campus. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really exciting. That's a really... Uh, that's also so creative. I love also that it's like people are bridging the gap and it's people yes. bridging the gap, yeah. not yeah. just being like, oh, it's just programming or, oh, yes. it's just saying like, you can do this. Like actually having someone there that someone can recognize yes. and yeah. talk to and ask. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm it. really excited. I really do believe that we're here to serve students. So when people say, Jamie, make this program, a lot of the time, both of us actually agree, <laughs> we usually say, well, we need to do what the students want to yeah. do. And if I'm planning a program without student input, it really just doesn't work. I like this mindset. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Snaps. so I'm hopeful that we're going to, the goal is to have these commuter liaisons. And so they'll be paid, which is awesome. So we're going to get to develop and like help them in their leadership skills, but also give them this opportunity to program, build relationships with off-campus partners and I'm just really excited because the goal is to have somebody from like Madcom, somebody from the cottages, somebody from fraternity and sorority life, just really diversifying the type of commuter student uh, and bringing them all back here to kind of have like a home at the commuter lounge, which should be really cool. Well, so. I love the tile that's down right now. I think that's the old tile. We think that's like the really, really old tile yes. in the kitchenette because they pulled out, what was it? It was all carpet. Yeah, it was all carpet. And then I stared at it for a little too long and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there would have been a conversation. I'm really, I'm really hopeful that it's supposed to be this like really nice colored blue carpet. We originally wanted like all hardwood floor type stuff because it would be cleaner. But um, <laughs> but that wasn't approved. So I think it'll be really great. And we just got the okay to purchase all of the furniture. So hopefully, oh, got Yay. the okay today. Yes. So excited. Oh. Historic day. So, so, all, so all the furniture will be um, purchased this week and hopefully on its way. And hopefully it'll get to us by June, which I'm really excited. That way we can have an open house when every student comes back in the fall. For sure. Ooh, I love that. Very exciting. Um, one thing that... Dina and I get to work on you with is the alcohol and drug drugs committee that we get to sit on. Um, can you talk a little bit more about this and what, how, what it's doing to change the culture on our campus regarding drinking and using drugs? Yes. Um, I love that both of you sit on that committee. I know Dina has been actively like involved in it, mm -hmm. which is awesome. So uh, really ever since I started our office, I say ours because it's us now, but <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations with Kathleen Grace Bishop, the director. Um, she has a new title right now, so but she's the director of health and wellness and she um, oversees living well services. And so we consistently talked about how there was the IPV plan, but then there was also this health and wellness AOD initiative plan. And she would push it up to the president. She, she would push it up to previous dean of students. And there was a lot of like kickback of like, you do this prevention work. This is not a team thing. And now we have the, our president and our amazing Ken Holmes and Mike Blackman, who you all heard if you listened to the podcast last week. And we just have a great group of supportive people that really believe in like moving the needle on a lot of these initiatives to help students be more successful. And um, this year I got a call uh, from Kathleen to say, do you want to co-chair this AOD committee? And I said, yeah, I'm really passionate about this. And 
obviously alcohol and other drugs influences our community very specifically too. And so how could we lean on some of the policies and practices that our fraternities and sororities do well and implement that in other areas on campus? And so it really came to fruition finally, but I have to give all credit to Health and Wellness, Kathleen Grace Bishop, her team, they're amazing. Uh, But we really want to create this culture of campus where we're doing a lot of more preventative work. We know, um, especially in the public health community, that being reactive to things is really just not an answer. And so how are we having more public health campaigns surrounding alcohol and other drugs? We know for a fact that I think the number was 30%. Dina, correct me if I'm wrong. You might remember from the presentation. Um, But I think the number was like 30% of our students have self-selected that they do not drink. And so the fact that a lot of people push so heavily on when you come to college, you drink. But that's not necessarily true. And some students really do want to learn how to drink responsibly and not binge drink. So how could we help like lead that and help people understand that nobody's here to say don't drink. We really want them to understand how many drinks equal blackout and yeah. what happens when you get blackout drunk. And then the truth is, what are the problems and incidents that come from being drunk and how can we prevent some of those things? So I'm really excited. We have seven to ten initiatives and we're going to have five smaller committees. Maddie sits on it, too. Um And they range from, like, data collection and integration to programming to uh, figuring out homecoming stuff and policies to helping other areas have alcohol and other drug policies that are a little bit more relevant to the student on our campus. So I just think it's amazing that so many people on this campus and pushed by students, which is awesome. So thank you, Student Senate. Um, I think it's really, really important that this is a team effort, and I love that now because it shouldn't be siloed to saying, okay, health and wellness, you're in charge of public health, when we have amazing professionals and students on this campus that could all work together to really drive a huge culture change, which I'm hopeful that we can really do. I'm really hopeful about the culture change as well, and I also think the you brought it up earlier, but the living well services yes. that health and wellness offers amazing. are amazing. It's it's like obviously confidential, obviously free. And it's like, if you are addicted to nicotine, you can get coached to quit. If you have a drinking problem, substance abuse, and it's all there. And like, you're not going to get in trouble for utilizing this resource and you can help. Sorry, I bumped the mic with my (laughs) finger and I don't know if it made a noise. Sorry, Max, our editor. Um, So editor slash producer. Wow. My brain is all over the place now, but they're great services and you should check them out because they are really great if you need that kind of help or guidance. And again, you can do it in a confidential environment where you're not going to get in trouble and you can actually learn something and help yourself to just be the best version of yourself. Two things that I learned from this community that I, community, committee that I didn't (laughs) know from before um, is that our school actually drinks more than the average university, Mm -hmm. which is shocking to me because I kind of thought always going on in our campus is oh this is college this is normal but really it's not um and another thing was we learned what brownout was i was going to bring that i had no idea what that meant i remember watching your faces yeah we were like what i love that you didn't know and you learned something that day i was like this is wonderful (laughs) yeah so for those of you who are not aware a brownout is when you go out 
you have more than a couple drinks and then you wake up the next morning and at first everything's a little foggy, but then your friend is like, you know, you sang karaoke way too loud and we got a noise complaint. And then you're like, oh yeah, I do remember. I sang I Will Survive. So it's like that kind of thing. So a blackout is when you don't remember the karaoke at all. And yeah. a brownout is when you're prompted, then you remember. Yeah. Both are not good. Both, Both are, are not, not good. good. <laughs> we do not condone either. But the brownout was interesting just because I'd never heard that mm. phrase before. And I was like, hmm, yeah. what could that mean? Um, <laughs> we were shocked in the meeting. We were like, what is going on? It was really funny to watch your faces. We're also, when we sit in meetings, we don't fake what we're what yeah. we're Yeah, oh, neither yeah. do we. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll be like, My huh? face will say the whole thing. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry. You know exactly what we're thinking based on what we <laughs> That's yeah. caused me a lot of problems sometimes it's everything I feel is just written on my face (laughs) definitely um so that's the end of our line of questioning um (laughs) but we have one amazing question from our Instagram poll um this is from Rachel and she asked asks could you talk more about the prices of FSL and the commitments with this community and how students can navigate these issues or yeah um I can take a a jab at it. Um, So when it comes to like prices and dues for our community, each chapter is like own individualized um, finances. So that doesn't come through the office at all. They're they're each own individual entities, entities, right? So like they can charge whatever they want. Um, A lot of it will have to do with what they are paying up to their headquarters, what it covers. But when you're paying for these organizations, you're paying for the events and programming, because you're paying into what that budget looks like for the individual organization. So as we talked about all these amazing, like, philanthropy events, those dues that you're paying to your organizations, that's going back to you all of, like, the programming that you're doing. Um, Prices can range, I think, when it comes to the fraternity side of it. I see some as low as, like, 300 per semester. Um, And then the girls with Panhellenic and sorority recruitment, it gets a little dicey because there's so many extra fees if it's like if you're living in the house sometimes they're more expensive because you're paying for the living quarters and all of that um if you don't live in the house sometimes it's less expensive but we really range i'm forgetting the numbers off the top of my yeah. head because they range i would every say year. the average for sororities if you're living in so dues house chef parking is around six thousand dollars a semester but that's that all-inclusive. That's inclusive. Also a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. A, it's a lot. Things. It might not be a semester. It might be a year. A year. Semester, it's a year? probably three a semester. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, because that's also including parking, which the average parking uh-huh. on campus is a grand. It's insane. That's yeah. wild. Plus, my rent is way more than that in just two months. Yeah. So. Don't ask me <laughs> my rent. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not So it sounds affordable. like a lot on paper, but really it's not. That's a yeah. meal plan included, too, yeah. like with a chef in the house, too. So How many people can say they have a private chef? Shout out Chef Amanda. <laughs> I don't I don't live in the house for context, but shout out Chef Amanda and Colby. Um, he's like Chef Amanda too. Oh my god, really? Yeah. It's a different Amanda, but she's awesome too. And um, before we wrap things up, I actually thought I would throw in a little question. Maybe starting with Emily and going around the table. I know we talked about how um, FSL sometimes does get a bad rep, but there's so many good things that come out of it. And I think probably the most powerful example of that would maybe be some personal anecdotes. So if we would like <laughs> to all share like our favorite memory from our experience in FSL. Um, I think my favorite memory had to have been freshman year, getting ready to go to a social. We had like a 
themed, so I think it was Hawaiian or something. And it was the first night that I was spending time with my girlfriends that I'm really close with now. And I was looking back on pictures because it's my roommate's birthday. She's a sorority sister of mine, one of my really good friends. And looking back on what <laughs> what we were doing then three years ago and what we trust like and how we interacted to now, um, it's just crazy. But I just my favorite part was going out and socializing with them. And now we're best friends. So <laughs> That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. Do you want, like, while I was a student sorority woman, or do you want now so as a professional? Versions. Yeah, whichever is most impactful. Hmm. Well, I'd say, like, relevant to now, one of my favorite memories just being in the sorority community is being the Panhellenic advisor. So I know I didn't talk a lot about my FSL role being the director, but I still advise Panhellenic. And uh, a couple of years ago, so this is maybe the last recruitment before COVID hit, uh, so 2019. Mm -hmm. um, we had it on the football field, the Wildcats Stadium, and we had about 500, so the most PNMs we've had retained in a really long time. And I stood, like the girls just wanted to have fun with their chapters. So they had me stand in the middle of the field and like announce them all and watching Everybody, it's just the most bid day for sororities and having all the potential new members run home to be new members um, and being the advisor and helping facilitate that amazing moment where they are getting to find their home away from home is truly one of the most amazing experiences I've probably ever had being in a sorority community. The energy, I don't, it's just. It's a good one. It's very beautiful. And it, and it, as an advisor, I just love seeing all the hard work that Panhellenic puts in and all the chapters put in. It all just comes to fruition in a really happy way. So I love that. I can't imagine like how fulfilling that yeah. must feel to just like watch and like, you know, you've had the experience yeah. and now watching everyone else get it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was a new member in 2019. It was yeah. a crazy day. It was, a, it so was much beautiful. Fun. Oh <laughs> it was beautiful. And it's over. I and know. We can all take a nap. It's I know. <laughs> exactly. Once it's over, I'm like, I need to sleep for five days. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's such a it's a loaded question um it's I, hard I, one. I know and there's so many iterations of us now you yes know. and then I like go through all the phases in my brain and then I have a panic attack because I realize like I'm getting older <laughs> I, I don't like it <laughs> me at too all. I know <laughs> um I think for me really I've really been able to give back to like my home chapter um a lot more than I ever thought I would. Um, I get to serve as like their advisor. So being able to like still be in contact, even though I don't really know these women anymore, um, is really fulfilling to me and being able to lead them and knowing because of them, I now get to do this as a job every single day um, is something that I know I'm really lucky to be able to do. And I know when I started here, um, I gave up Panhellenic at a previous institution to take over IFC because I knew I loved the UNH community so much. So really being able to kind of see, like, I went through recruitment completely alone in 2015. I showed up by myself, and I'm like, we're just going to see what happens. So then being able to work with, like, 1,800 stu students every single day is just, like, surreal to kind of think about coming from a chapter that was maybe 50 girls to then having working with chapters that are over 100 is just really insane to me. And when you – I don't think I realize it until I start telling other people what I do for a job. And they're like, you have how many chapters? I'm like, yeah, like there's 21 of them. It's not that big of a deal. And they're like, excuse you. Um, so it's a really cool opportunity that I got from them. That is so cool. Uh, this is getting emotional. What about you? Getting <laughs> emotional. Um, I would probably have to say um, 
getting my big last year, Gianna. She is just like my twin flame. She was, oh my gosh, she's such a good like mentor and she feels like a mom. And then also my <laughs> grand big Skylar. She is also incredible. She's my rock as well. And then um, this fall, I was really nervous about taking a little because I was very close with Gianna and Skylar. And I was like, I, I really hope like my little gets along with us. Like I'm, I'm a little scared. And then Going on the coffee date, I immediately knew um, her name's Bella. She would be my little. And then making the sign for her in the basket (laughs) and picking out the theme. I was like showing all my friends. I was like, guys, which one do you think is cute? (laughs) And then um, getting her as my little, obviously. And now like she's in Senate with me and she loves it. And she's super involved on campus. And she's always trying to find new leadership positions in AZD. And I'm like, oh, just like your mommy. They grow up so fast. Um, and She's crying, everyone. And she, yeah, there's there's tears streaming there's down tears. my face. Um, <laughs> and then, and she fits in perfectly with all of us. Oh, it's literally yeah. like I, all four of us are like four peas in a pod, and it's <laughs> it's crazy to think that it would work out that way. But I, I'm so lucky, and that's it. That. Yeah, Aww. I love it. Cute. I'm gonna cry. And three littles. <gasps> you really? Did? Yeah, and too. it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're all so unique and wonderful, and and so they're just. It's such a fun experience, so I totally feel that. Wow, it is. Three kids, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So normally how we end all of our podcasts is we go around and say our highs and our lows, and I messed this up the last two podcasts, so I'm determined to make sure that everyone says their highs and their lows. So (laughs) I think that maybe we should go around and say our lows first. So Dina, do you want to start? Yes, I will. So my most recent low um, was I had four papers due the Friday before spring break. And I had to sit in the car for six hours and then go home and immediately grind out all of these papers. And it was a lot of work, but it worked out because my professors graded them very nicely for me. They, <laughs> they uh, had my back. So that was good. I, 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 it was supposed to be a low and then I made it positive. Uh, yeah. It was too much work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my low, my most recent one, um, when I got back to my apartment on Sunday night, I had zero heat. Oh. Uh, my furnace had completely broke. And um, if you've ever rented an apartment, you know, especially on a Sunday, you cannot get a hold of anyone <laughs> to come and fix it. Um, so that was a rough go. Were you shivering? Um, my landlord put me in a hotel for the night oh, <laughs> because I was that upset. So like, it was also, it got cold on Sunday. It was yeah. like 60 degrees and all of a sudden it was like 24. I'm like, I'm not sleeping here and nor was I going to plug in a space heater for the night because I'm afraid they're going to catch on fire. But yeah. that's just me. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, your low so much better than mine. <laughs> um, I, if, if you know me or now you do, I really obsessed with coffee <laughs> and uh, I love rise and grind and Dana alumni of an alpha, of our alpha feet chapter is a um, well past manager I think she's not the manager there anymore but I go there a lot and <laughs> I put my coffee when I got to be on top of my car to get my bag and it no, and I no. closed the door and I guess it wasn't even on the car and it just spilled everywhere so That's I was really day. upset because on Monday I had zero coffee and I didn't have enough time to like go find another one. So I just feel like that's a rough day. I would have went home. Yeah, that's really triggering. Yeah. What's the rise and grind order? I I have to know. So Maddie knows this. (laughs) My typical order is 
plain black iced coffee. You would. I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says it's that. It's very on brand. It's very on it brand. It is. Like, I really enjoy coffee. So the taste of real coffee is, That's like, great. Right. But if I'm in the mood for something sweet, I really, really love a macchiato. So add a little caramel to that, oh. almond milk. I can't drink real milk. Um, but usually I do get plain black iced coffee. I have been though. spicing it up. I've been in the mood for sweet stuff. But you know what? Rise and Grind is the place to go. It's so amazing. Because they got all the different like yes, flavors. Yeah. yeah. I really do love Rise and Grind. So my low is actually, so my high is that I went to Fort Lauderdale, but my low is that I had to stay there for a little bit too long because my flight was delayed. Oh, no. So twiddling my thumbs after being exhausted over spring break in the airport was not too fun. Oh. But it was fine because I went to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So that's my high. Spring Woo. break. Spring break. So fun. Should we keep wrapping around now? Yeah. Highest. Oh, my high is that the furniture for the commuter lounge <laughs> kitchen that has is going to be purchased this week. I think that is it's just been a long time coming. I started this process in August of this year. So to make it to March and finally get it complete, pretty excited to have our furniture purchased. Uh, my high is very niche. <laughs> I laugh about it. Um, so the outfit I ordered for the Taylor Swift concert came <gasps> in. You got tickets? <laughs> yes. Oh my twice. god! Twice, twice, and I don't want to talk about it. it was, She's going twice. There was I'm tears. Going zero. You could sell me a ticket if you. <laughs> there was a lot of tears that were shed <laughs> in the office. I told Jamie not to talk to me, <laughs> um, but they did come in, and I was worried they weren't going to like fit, but they did fit. So we're good to go. Yay. Money well spent. What's your outfit? Um, it's like a black top with like feathers on the top. Oh so it's like a little bow. I'm so jealous. I want to go so, so bad. I really do, too. I regret not <laughs> buying tickets. I, I tried to, and I couldn't get a I ticket. It was a miserable too. experience. I will stand by that. <laughs> um, my high was probably... Uh, I, had a, I had a very uneventful week home. I mean, I guess my high was today. I bought my tickets for the Scope concert. And Yay. one of those two tickets included one for my brother, who's visiting all the way from Philly to oh, come up so and see fun. the concert. And Yay. it's also going to be his first time at UNH. So I'm excited okay. to show him around. He went to Clemson. Cool. So very okay. different vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And different. I'm excited to see him experience culture shock yeah. um, <laughs> from Clemson versus UNH. Yes. Um, and that's a really great segue to not segue, but really great plug for our next episode where we are potentially bringing on people from Scope (laughs) to talk about the concert. ASMR on the podcast. I'm not going to do ASMR on the podcast, guys. That was for dramatic (laughs) effect, I promise. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks for having us. We learned a lot from you you guys um, and we really, really appreciate it. And we love the FSL community, so we definitely wanted to have you guys on as guests at some point. And I think both of you are really strong leaders and you have the best intentions for FSL. Mm-hmm. And I think UNH FSL is in the best hands it possibly could be in with having Stop. you two run. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to cry. Honestly, the d- students. Yeah, but honestly, the students wouldn't be anything in the last year without the both of you. So oh, when you sure. say things like, oh gosh. they call you dumb sorority girls, like send those <laughs> people to me people and I'll put them in their <laughs> place because you are two of the most incredibly smart wonderful i love how you push back on the i just you are wonderful people so send them my way if they ever say that to you again thank you jamie thank you so much jamie now that we're all crying (laughs) see you guys next week cutting onions in the tnh (laughs) office (laughs) see you guys next week to hear from scope bye
This podcast is part of the New Hampshire Podcast Network and produced by our friend and executive editor of the New Hampshire, Max Scheinblum. This podcast was funded by our student activity fee and all music is found on Poddington Fair.